I'm the new Jean Michel, surrounded by wall halls, my whole team ball. Twin Bugattis outside the Art Basel. I just want to live life colossal. Leonardo da Vinci flows, Ricardo Tisci, Givenchy clothes. See me thoning at the Met, voguing on these Gingas champagne on my breath. Yes, house like the Louvre or the Tate Modern. Cause I be going ape at the auction. Oh, what a feeling. Oh, fuck it, I want a trillion. Sleeping every night next to Mona Lisa. The modern day version with better features. Yellow Basquiat in my kitchen corner. Go ahead, lean on that sh- blue, you own it, huh? Happy Thursday and welcome to Not Boring. That was Picasso Baby by Jay-Z, and it was chosen by Michael Wenner, the VP of Marketing at Masterworks. Now, over the past couple of weeks, Masterworks has been sponsoring the audio editions of Not Boring, but today they're sponsoring a full deep dive. Now, obviously, being paid to write something means that there's a potential conflict of interest. Earning and keeping your trust, though, is the only thing that keeps this newsletter going and growing. I'm confident that I don't write about companies that I'm I'm not interested in, I don't think that you're going to be interested in, and I don't write anything that I wouldn't have written anyway. Please don't tell the sponsors that. But uh, just to be really super clear about how I think about sponsored deep dives, in the original post at notboring.substack.com, there is a link to kind of the thought process behind both picking and writing the sponsor deep dives. So without further ado, let's get to it. Masterworks, demystifying and democratizing art. The case of the missing $450 million Mundi. In November 2017, Leonardo da Vinci's Salvatore Mundi became the most expensive piece of art ever when it sold at Christie's for $450 million. The buyer, at first anonymous, turned out to be Saudi prince Badr bin Abdullah bin Mohammed bin Farhan al-Saud, who was, in turn, allegedly serving as a proxy for Saudi crown prince Mohammed bin Salman, or MBS. When the painting's planned exhibit at the Louvre Abu Dhabi was delayed indefinitely, it set off wild conspiracy theories involving the Saudis, Russians, and the Trump campaign. According to Vox, Narrative published a theory that placed Salvatore Mundi at the center of an international Mundi laundering scheme implicating the royal families of Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi, along with Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign staff, the Israeli intelligence firm Cygroup, and the Russian potash fertilizer magnate Dmitry Ryabolovev, the painting's previous owner, and I know that I got that wrong. Ryabolovev's the narrative post claim put the painting up for auction knowing that the Saudis and Emiratis would bid for it, artificially inflating its value. Narrative posits the funds from the sale were then funneled to Cygroup, which, according to a report by the Daily Beast, has ties to the Trump campaign. That theory has been debunked. If you're going to launder money, why do it via the highest profile art sale in history? But it highlights how blue chip or investment grade art has historically been one, limited to the wealthiest of the wealthy, and two, shrouded in opacity bordering on mystery. Three years later, half a world away from the United Arab Emirates, Another art transaction proved just how much those two things have changed. I hate to brag, and it feels a bit gauche to talk about this publicly, but we're all friends here, so I'll tell you. I, like MBS, am kind of an art collector. I own Agnes Martin's Untitled No. 1, Lucio Fantano's Concetto Spaziale, and yes, a Basquiat, Loin, which the artist painted in his pivotal year, 1982. Well, I own a small piece of each, at least which I bought via the subject and sponsor of today's essay, Masterworks. 
Meet Masterworks. Masterworks, founded in 2017, is the first company to make it possible for everyone to invest in blue chip art, from Monet to Warhol. It's part of the class of startups taking advantage of regulatory and technological advances to bring investing in alternative asset classes to the masses. There's Fundrise for real estate and Rally Road for collectibles, AngelList for venture capital, and Republic for equity crowdfunding. I wrote about this group in Software is Eating the Markets, saying of Masterworks that it takes art collecting digital and makes it accessible to regular investors. Investors can buy shares and works by Andy Warhol, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Haring, Picasso, Banksy, and Monet. Even a digital portfolio of blue chip art is more tangible than a bond, is something that buyers can brag about to friends, and provides an excuse to learn art history, and returns from blue chip art have doubled the S&P 500s over the past 20 years. Art is the archetypal alternative asset class in a world in which rates remain low and software eats the markets. It provides social status, entertainment, education, and a digital asset that's beautiful to look at and to display. Plus, unlike, say, Bitcoin, which uses math to create scarcity, each classic piece of artwork is truly one of a kind. It's also compelling enough to own that it should attract some retail investment dollars away from stocks and help investors create more diversified and less correlated investment portfolios. In fact, using Masterworks data, Citi found that art has a minuscule 0.01 correlation factor with the S&P. Blue chip art should be an aesthetically pleasing part of most diversified long-term investment portfolios. And indeed, art has long been a mainstay in the portfolios of the ultra-wealthy. But until very recently, art investing has been out of reach for the average investor. With art, maybe more than any other asset class, the best investments are often the most expensive, and investing in art, until now, meant buying the whole damn piece. Masterworks is changing that, and making rare art attainable for regular people. I, for example, write a free newsletter, and I own a Basquiat. So with Masterworks' help, today, I'll serve as your curator and guide through the wonderful world of blue chip art. We'll talk about Masterworks' price database. It's really the foundation for everything else we're going to talk about. Art as an asset class, digitizing and democratizing art investing, investing on Masterworks, art market tailwinds, and building your own portfolio. If you've always wanted to invest in art, and just want to get to it, you can sign up to start investing on Masterworks right now. There's a link at notboring.substack.com in the piece today, or you can sign up for Masterworks and enter code NOTBORING to skip the 25,000-person waitlist. If you want to sound smart and cultured at your next socially distanced dinner party, put on your top hat and monocle and come explore the wonderful world of art with me. Masterworks Price Database. To understand the art market, we need to start with Masterworks Price Database. Much of the data that we're going to use throughout this essay and Masterworks' own buying process is based on that database. Normally, I would look for data from a diverse set of sources, and I did for this essay as well, but the fact is Masterworks' data is the most complete picture there is. Even leading investment banks like Citi rely on Masterworks' data. So what is it and why did they build it? The art market has historically been opaque. If you're one of the small handful of people in the know, that's a feature. If you're putting up your own money to bring art investing to the masses, like Masterworks, that's a bug. Since Masterworks takes principal risk by purchasing works of art itself and qualifies each offering with the SEC, it needs hard numbers. But hard numbers only existed scattered across old paper catalogs and auction catalogs, which meant that it was impossible to get a sense for each artist's and work's historical performance. So Masterworks built the world's most comprehensive repeat sale pair database in order to understand how the market performs broadly and by artist and work. Masterworks research team built the price database by compiling over 3 million data points from over 300,000 auction transactions going back to 1960, often by painstakingly going back through paper auction catalogs by hand. 
By putting all of that data in one place and plotting sales prices for paintings that have sold at least twice, they're able to understand how artists and their specific works perform over time. The, there's a 1982 untitled piece by Basquiat, for example, which has returned 5,286x since its first public auction purchase in 1987 after selling for $110 million in 2017, a record for an American artist. The price database is a really fun consumer-facing tool and the best way for someone who's more numbers-driven than beauty-driven, like yours truly, to learn about art. In the post, I have a search, for example, for what Monet's history looks like, but you should just go to masterworks.io and sign up and, and start using their price database. Compare Banksy to Monet to Murakami. Read the descriptions of the artists and their work at the top of each page, and then compare paintings by returns or sale price to start to understand which pieces collectors value most. You'll notice, though, while you're exploring, that not every artist or work is in the database. To ensure accuracy and consistency, and to generate a return metric, Masterworks does not include paintings that haven't been sold at auction at least twice. For example, when I read about Salvatore Mundi, I obviously searched Leonardo da Vinci, but came up empty-handed. I thought there was an error, so I reached out to Jason Papadopoulos, who runs data science at Masterworks, to ask about the omission. His answer was more fascinating than I could have hoped for, and I'll repost it in full. He said, Regarding da Vinci, we have not identified any da Vinci auction results except Salvatore Mundi, meaning not even works that have been sold once. We have, however, identified multiple works by followers or artists of the circle. His works never come at auction, and when they do, you see what happens. In the case of Salvatore Mundi, its provenance, or list of prior ownership, does mention two public sales. One may think that this makes the work a repeat sale pair. However, a major factor in the old master's market is attribution and authentication. In the past, the work was attributed to Giovanni Antonio Baltrafio and was sold for 45 pounds. After research, specialists concluded that it actually was a da Vinci. Hence, the assumption that you can calculate the return of work because an artist doesn't change is challenged in such cases. Under our research framework, we do not include works that face issues with attribution and or authentication. This is one of the reasons why we are also not involved in the old master's market. There's so much in that answer. No da Vinci painting has ever changed hands twice in a public auction, and Salvatore Mundi is the only known da Vinci to sell at auction. That explains why it was the most expensive sale of all time. The only other time the work went up for sale at auction, it was actually under another artist's name, which allowed it to slip under the radar and sell for 45 pounds. Once da Vinci was confirmed as the artist, the price shot up over 7 million times. The answer also shows the rigorous approach Masterworks takes to its price database. It's more than just a fun and educational tool for exploration. That's a byproduct. More importantly, it underpins the transformation of the art market from a wealthy collector's playground to an investable asset class. Art is an asset class. Art is a $1.7 trillion asset class that most of us don't think of as an asset class. It's also one of the oldest. Before Patrick Drahi, a billionaire art collector, of course, took it private last year for $3.7 billion, Auction House Sotheby's was the oldest company on the New York Stock Exchange. $68 billion worth of art changed hands in 2019. But unless your friends are particularly artsy or particularly wealthy, you probably don't know the people attached to many of those hands. I pulled my Twitter followers this week, and only 13% allocate to art. I asked those who do own art to reply with the percentage of their portfolios they allocate to it, and very few replied. Because investing in art is synonymous with being really rich, and no one wants to come out and say, I'm really rich. In fact, the first reply to the tweet was, I'm not rich. It's a shame that art, like many of the best-performing asset classes, has been unattainable to all but the wealthiest of the wealthy. 
particularly at a time when people are piling into Bitcoin and gold to hedge against inflation with rates at all-time lows, blue-chip art is a smart piece of a diversified portfolio. According to Citi, quote, art could gain increasing recognition as an investment asset class over time given its rate of return and lack of correlation with major asset classes. On Panic with Friends, Masterworks founder and CEO Scott Lynn told Howard Lindzen, we fundamentally believe in this world where just like people have allocations to real estate, they should have some allocation to art. It's a similar asset class, performance we think is arguably, arguably better, and we've seen definitely more investors on the platform that are just doing it purely based on historical returns and the risk profiles that we publish, and are frankly less focused on the individual art itself. They're just viewing it as a diversifier to enhance returns on their existing portfolio. That quote gets at three of the four main reasons that art makes sense in an average long-term investor's portfolio. One, blue-chip art has historically generated equal or better returns than public equities, with relatively low volatility, the lowest correlation to equities of any asset class, and scarcity driven by declining supply. Let's look at each. Strong returns. Blue-chip art breaks down into four main categories, contemporary, post-war, impressionist, and modern. Contemporary, the best performing in the main category on Masterworks, has performed well against equities for decades. Using Masterworks data, City's private bank showed that the broad art market has, quote, risen at an annualized rate of 5.3% since 1985, similar to the return of developed investment-grade fixed income at 6.5% and high-yield fixed income at 8.1%. Now, over that amount of time, if you had invested in investment-grade fixed income and high-yield fixed income and that compounded over time, the results would be better. So I don't know, that's City's language, not mine. But looking at just the past 25 years, Masterworks Contemporary Art Index has outperformed the S&P, generating 13.6% annualized returns compared to the S&P 500 total return at 8.9%. That sounds like a relatively small difference, but it means that $100 invested in contemporary art in 1995 would be worth $2,423 today, while the same amount invested in the S&P 500 would be worth $842. That's nearly three times outperformance. Since blue-chip contemporary art has traditionally been available only to the ultra-wealthy, art has contributed to the widening wealth gap even, even relative to the half of the U.S. population that owns equities. Low volatility. Contemporary art is also less risky than equities, or even housing or gold, as measured by loss frequency and depth over three-year investment horizons. Since 1995, contemporary art has lost money only 4% of the time over a three-year period. When it does lose money, it has lower drawdowns. The maximum annualized loss over three years for contemporary art is 0.5% versus 16.4% for global equities. The worst year in recent history was 2016, when art prices declined 10 to 15% due to capital controls in China and Brexit, but they bounced back. Part of that stability is due to who owns the art. The ultra-wealthy are less likely to need to sell art when prices drop, so they just don't sell. Since the market doesn't open every day, like the market for equities or gold, it makes sense that the drawdowns wouldn't be as deep. If you owned practically any stock in late February, performance would have looked brutal if you measured performance from March, but would have looked fine if you'd closed your eyes until April. Even still, for those who are able to allocate a small portion of their portfolio in art with the understanding that they're going to hold for multiple years, history says that there's less of a chance of losing large sums of money. Low correlation. In Fundrise and the Magic of Diversification, I boiled Bridgewater founder Ray Dalio's seminal paper, Engineering Targeted Risks and Returns, down to the following sentence. Allocating money across a diversified portfolio has historically generated better risk-adjusted returns than concentrating in just stocks, bonds, or even the traditional 60-40 split. 
People calculate diversification in a portfolio using a measure called the correlation coefficient, which quantifies how two assets move in relation to each other on a scale of negative one to one. A correlation of negative one means that they move in exactly opposite ways. Asset A goes up by a dollar, asset B goes down by a dollar. A correlation of one means that they move in lockstep. In 2019, City partnered with Masterworks to measure art's correlation to 10 other asset classes. City concluded, perhaps art's most attractive investment quality over the long run has been its diversification potential. Strikingly, the broad art market's highest correlation with any other asset class was 0.34, which was with cash. It has showed low or even negative correlations with many others, including the fixed income asset classes, whose return profile was similar. Adding art market exposure to a portfolio of other assets, therefore, would have helped improve diversification over time. And that was, again, City saying that. On the POMP podcast, Masterworks CEO Lin said that if anything, art is most correlated to the concentration of wealth in ultra-high net worth individuals' hands. It's also negatively correlated with real interest rates. Those are two correlations that are perfect for the present moment. Historically, Adding art to your portfolio would have improved risk-adjusted returns by increasing diversification, and current conditions seem to support art's performance more than usual. Fourth is scarcity. Art's fourth investment characteristic is perhaps its most unique. The supply of works from blue-chip artists decreases over time. The pool of blue-chip artists is small. According to ArtPrice, 62% of the $68 billion that traded hands in 2019 were of the top 100 artists, and it's shrinking. All else equal, lower supply means higher prices. Bitcoin fanatics are enamored of the fact that there is a mathematical limit to the number of Bitcoin that will ever exist. Plus, as the New York Times recently pointed out, as Bitcoin holders lose their wallets or forget their passwords, supply decreases, making the existing supply theoretically more valuable. Art is kind of like Bitcoin in that respect. Take Da Vinci. As Jason pointed out, despite the fact that Da Vinci created many works of art in his lifetime, there has only ever been one Da Vinci sold at auction. There are a couple of reasons. One, artists die. This is obvious, but once an artist passes away, there can never be any other works created by that artist, with the possible exception, of course, of Tupac. And two, museum donations and lost works. Collectors often donate their collections to museums, taking those pieces off the market for good. Nearly all of Da Vinci's major extant works belong to museums around the world, from the Uffizi in Florence to the Louvre in Paris, and many others are simply lost. According to the TFAF Art Patronage Report, ultra-high net worth individuals donated $19.5 billion worth of art to institutions in 2018 alone, cutting the available supply by 1%. While some of these donations come from a place of genuine charity, many are doing it for financial reason. Artsy points out that donating art is a high-profile way to get tax write-offs against capital gains. After a 2020 in which capital gains for ultra-high net worth individuals were so high, expect to see more donations. Because of death and donation, when you'd buy a Da Vinci or a Basquiat, Monet, or the work of any other deceased blue chip artist, you can be sure that the supply will remain flat or decrease over time. Risks to investing in art. Those four features, strong returns, low volatility, low correlation, and scarcity, suggest that blue chip art makes sense in most people's portfolios. It's not without risks, though. City highlights a few key risks that investors should be aware of. One, while broad-based indices like the Masterworks.io Total Art Index may be a good representation of the art market as a whole, investors can't easily gain that kind of exposure. Portfolio performance is based on what you own. Two, there's no established tra tracking product for art. You can't buy the equivalent of the SPY or the S&P tracking stock for art. And three, art is less liquid than equities or fixed income and more similar to real estate and requires longer transaction times and higher transaction costs than typical asset classes. 
Additionally, Artsy's Martin Gammon writes about the, quote, dark matter of private collections that remain underwater, off the record, as owners don't sell their losers. That may lead to sample selection bias in which only the paintings that have appreciated show up in the repeat sale numbers. There's a 2013 art economics paper linked in the original post that provides a good analysis on the size of that effect if you want to give it a read. City cites one last property of arts that's riskier than equities too. They say, gaining exposure to the art market requires the purchase of physical artwork, with the blue chip segment of the market typically exceeding multi-million dollar price points. Masterworks is changing that. Masterworks, digitizing and democratizing art investing. Until now, Art hasn't really been investable in the same way that stocks, bonds, gold, or even real estate are. Buying art has traditionally meant buying a whole piece of art. That's like saying the only way to invest in the stock market is to buy an entire company. Sure, you can buy more affordable art, like a print or a piece from a local artist. I've bought that kind of art before. But that kind of art is not a good investment. The best risk-adjusted returns are in blue-chip art by artists whose names you'd recognize even if you weren't that into art. Picasso, Basquiat, Warhol, Herring. Until now, buying blue-chip art The kind that exhibits all the qualities I wrote about above cost millions of dollars. It was something that regular people never even considered. There's a reason that so many heist movies are about stealing blue chip art. Some convoluted and complicated scheme was probably the only way that most of us had to acquire it. Until Masterworks. Masterworks is the first platform for buying and selling shares, representing an investment in iconic artworks. Founded in 2017, Masterworks takes advantage of SEC Regulation A to securitize works of art and sell shares to regular investors. Here's how it works. They find the best artists, they purchase the best art, they securitize the artwork, and then they hold the artwork for three to 10 years and sell it. First, find the best artists. Masterworks employs a team of researchers, the crack staff that work to digitize 60 years worth of physical art auction catalogs to create the Masterworks price database, who use proprietary data and models to identify which artist markets have the best momentum. They look at a combination of quantitative and qualitative factors like which artists have significant enough track record at auction to have meaningful price data, less data, riskier artist, whether there's a global collector base interested in the artist, the cultural relevance of the artist, and how many museums and public collections support an artist. And I linked to a video uh, that Masterworks put together. They actually have a whole series. If you go to their website, it's worth checking out. You learn about the company and about the art market more in depth. Last year, the team identified 40 to 50 artists it was interested in buying. Masterworks' target artists have outperformed even their blue-chip and post-war contemporary peers since 1996. They purchased the best art. Masterworks' acquisition team drills down on the things that drive the price of specific works within target artist portfolios. 1. Recognizability. How recognizable is a piece as being by a certain artist? A Maryland reversal from Warhol will be worth more than a sketch of a cat because the former is obviously a Warhol. Medium. Many artists express themselves across a variety of media, but paintings will typically perform better than sketches or photos. Size matters. Typically, the bigger the better. A lot of people who buy art are doing so to show it off, and a larger painting makes a louder statement. And year of creation. Artists go through good periods and bad. Basquiat painted Loin, the one I own shares in, in his best year, 1982. That's the same year he painted Untitled, the skull painting that sold for $110 million. They then set out to locate the best examples of those paintings currently available at the best prices. They do so armed with Masterworks Price Database behind them, offering a more complete comp set than any other on the market. Once the acquisition team identifies the work, they use Masterworks' own balance sheet to acquire the painting. And then they securitize the art. 
Lynn originally came up with the idea of Masterworks during the ICO craze, when people were using crypto to sell shares and all sorts of things, most of them no more than air. He quickly realized that to democratize art legitimately, he needed to work within the regulatory frameworks. Luckily, under the Jobs Act, regulation moved closer towards giving regular people access to investments previously available only to the wealthiest. Regulation A+, part of the Jobs Act, is the piece of regulation that makes Fundrise, Rally Road, AngelList, and Republic possible. So in accordance with Reg A+, Masterworks creates a separate LLC for each work that it purchases, registers it with the SEC, and releases an offering circular like a company issues an S1 before going public. It then sells shares in the LLC, which give each holder ownership of a piece of the LLC that owns the asset. The fact that it's regulated offers investors protection. It can't mislead and it can't run away with the paintings. Even its salespeople are regulated by FINRA, the same body that regulates financial institutions. After issuing the offering circular, Masterworks launches the offering on its website. That's where we come in. Investing on Masterworks. On Masterworks, anyone can become an art investor. Once you sign up for Masterworks and skip the 25,000 person waitlist with an upwarding link, you'll schedule a call with someone from the Masterworks team who will get a sense for your goals and risk appetite and answer any questions you have about purchasing shares on Masterworks. From there, buying a share in a piece of art on Masterworks is really easy. In the middle of writing this, I got an email from Masterworks. It said, invest now, Fontana, 15.3% historical appreciation. I clicked to learn more, got an overview of the painting, and read Masterworks thesis. If I wanted to, I could read the full offering circular, the reggae equivalent of an S1 for art. Then, just to show you how fast the process is, I recorded a GIF of myself going from overview to purchase. Within the 15-second GIF limit, after doing my research, of course, I bought shares in an art in a work of blue chip art. How cool is that? Each share in a primary offering costs $20, and I can buy as many or as few as I'd like from the available supply. Once I own shares in a painting, there are two ways I can make money. One, Masterworks sells. Masterworks plans to hold paintings for three to 10 years, monitor the market, and sell when the artists or comparable works are performing well. At that point, Masterworks takes its fees. Like a hedge, PE, or VC fund, it takes 1.5% annual management fees and 20% carry. And this isn't just theoretical. In October 2020, Masterworks sold Banksy's Mona Lisa for $1.5 million after offering the painting to Masterworks investors the prior October at $1,039,000. Mona Lisa was the second work that Masterworks offered and the first painting that it sold, netting investors a 32% net annualized return. The second way is secondary market trading. In 2020, Masterworks launched a secondary market in which buyers and sellers of shares of art offered on Masterworks can trade with each other. That means that if you missed an offering, you can buy shares from someone who owns them. And if you own shares and don't want to hold until Masterworks sells, you can get liquidity from other members. Currently, Masterworks members are offering shares in works by Monet, Cause, Banksy, Cecily Brown, George Kondo, and Warhol at prices set by the people offering them. Among the current offers, markups to the original $20 purchase price range from 1% to 8.75x for the earlier offerings, including the first work sold on Masterworks, Andy Warhol's number one colored Marilyn from the Reversal series and Banksy's Monkey Poison. Beware, buying art on Masterworks is a little bit addictive. I've bought shares in each new offering since signing up late last year. It's an addiction I'm comfortable with, though, because I think the art market is set to benefit from the convergence of some major trends. Art market tailwinds. The art market, which has already outperformed other asset classes, has some serious tailwinds behind it that are set to expand the demand pool, while the supply of investment-grade art, as we know, as new art scholars, declines. First, there are the macroeconomic factors. Interest rates are at all-time lows and likely to remain there for a while. 
ultra high net worth individuals hold more more wealth than ever before, and there are trillions of dollars seeking anything that will give them safe returns above the rate of inflation. Art, historically, has fit that bill. Second, if Masterworks is successful in democratizing access to art at scale, both by allowing regular people to invest and by helping institutions view art as an investable asset class, it will expand the amount of dollars seeking the same supply of blue-chip art. Imagine if only the world's billionaires could buy stocks, not even hedge funds or banks or endowments, let alone retail investors, and then all of a sudden, everyone could buy stocks. The rush-in won't be as violent as that would be, but a similar dynamic should play out on a slower, smaller scale. And third, art is the perfect asset for the type of investing that is becoming increasingly popular, the type that I wrote about in Software is Eating the Markets. While Masterworks highlights art as a useful slice of an intelligent portfolio, I think it's more than that. It has each of the characteristics that retail investors care about when they buy an asset. One, social status. Owning art has always been a status game. While buying shares in a work of art doesn't confer quite the same boost that buying a whole multi-million dollar painting does, there's still an aura around art that makes those who own and understand it seem sophisticated and cultured. Online or in person, knowing the difference between Monet and Rembrandt or Cause and Kusama says something about you. Education. One of the things that I enjoy most about investing is that it forces me to learn. I never took an art history class in college. It seemed too subjective, too complex to just casually understand. But attach a price to something and allow it to move with the market, I'm in. Even just buying shares in a few paintings on Masterworks taught me more about art than I ever thought I would care to learn. Did you know, for example, that impressionist artist paintings appreciate in line with the rate of inflation, partially because their style has gone out of style? Entertainment. It's hard to imagine tens of thousands of people getting excited about something as otherwise dry as a company releasing a spreadsheet full of numbers every three months without owning stocks. Art is naturally entertaining. Millions of people who don't own art go to galleries and museums every year, but owning shares in certain artists' works means that every auction and new exhibit involving that artist is an event worth following. And it's a digital asset. Right now, this is the least developed of the four, but I think there's a ton of potential here. I'm spitballing read, this isn't coming from the Masterworks team, but I could see Masterworks giving each investor on the platform their own public-facing gallery showcasing the pieces in which they own shares. They could even offer digital art backed by non-fungible tokens to each investor in a work, giving them ownership of a digital asset tied to the physical one. Ultimately, in a world in which alternative assets are gaining tremendous popularity, art's unique characteristics make it the perfect asset for a new generation of investors. Those three factors, macroeconomics, democratization, and software eating the markets, should combine to drive up the price of the very best art. And with its data and expertise, Masterworks will be the first to know. Build your art collection. Congratulations, you're an art connoisseur now. And in the original post, there's actually a certificate that certifies that you are, in fact, an art connoisseur. You can print it out, you can tweet it, you can add your name to it, uh, hang it on your wall, you know, show off to your friends. Next time you're playing trivia, you can answer, what was the most expensive work of art ever sold with confidence and give the wild backstory? You know all about art as an asset class down to its correlation with the S&P. You understand what makes art valuable and which pieces by which artists have gained the most value over time. And now, unlike any other time in the past century, you're able to invest in blue chip art without putting up millions of dollars to purchase an entire painting. So put your newfound knowledge to use. Go to the Masterworks price database and explore. Search your favorite artists to understand how their works have appreciated over time. Compare Banksy to Basquiat. And please, take your top hat and monocle off. You can finally be an art investor without being a snob. And as a not-boring reader, you can skip the waitlist and start investing in rare art now. 
Now, one final important note, this is not investment advice. Please do your own research before considering investing in art or any other asset class mentioned in this piece. That's all for today. Have another big week for you next week. Big piece coming out on Monday, another one coming out on Thursday. I'm really excited. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. Starry, starry night. Paint your palette blue and gray. Look out on a summer's day With eyes that know the darkness in my soul Shadows on the hills Sketch the trees and the daffodils Catch the breeze and the winter chills In colors on the snowy linen land Now I understand what you tried to say to me How you suffered for your sanity and How you tried to set them free They would not listen, they did not know how Perhaps they'll listen now